Today, I'm excited to have Navdeep Singh on the podcast. Navdeep is the CEO and co-founder of Candor, a new platform that leverages AI in order to help students pass exams like the IELTS, and also provides consulting to international students to try to figure out what's the best university for them and their goals. Navdeep started his career working at companies like Flipkart, and then later went on to found Lunicorn, a content startup that had over 40K students. He then joined Ola as a product manager, Fair Portal, and then went on later to create Candor. He also has an MBA from Cornell and a BTEC from IIT. I think it's really interesting to have people like Navdeep on the podcast just to get some insight into how some of the advancements of AI are enabling tools that you don't necessarily see covered in the media. And in this case, have a whole new generation of students that didn't necessarily have the access to the resources that they have today, be able to tap into them and achieve their goals on a global basis. So that said, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey, Navdeep, and welcome to the podcast. Hey, Devik. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. But, you know, the first question I always ask everyone is, what got you into entrepreneurship and startups? Um, I think uh, I realized three things about myself. Basically, uh, the first thing was that uh, that I'm a, I don't give up easily. Like, uh, So that's one of my key strengths. Second has been that I'm good with people normally like uh, so far uh, like nobody has left the team uh, or uh, in previous roles also uh, I've had really great co-workers and I was able to build relationships with uh, really difficult business partners. So I I thought that uh, like I can lead a good team. Uh, so that's the second thing. And the third thing was that uh, I think I'm, I'm not very smart, but uh, but I do think that I learn uh, very quickly from my mistakes. And uh, basically, uh, I'm good at a bunch of things, like uh, basically uh, jack of all trades. So I figured that given these three skill sets, um, I think the biggest payoff for me would happen in entrepreneurship. And lastly, uh, like for the last three, four months, I think... Uh, I realized that entrepreneurship is hard. And I think that's why I probably want to do it, I guess. Like, I want to do the hardest thing possible. Like, that's why I tried, um, tried to get into, like, IITs or uh, tried to get into an Ivy League, do really well a job. So, basically, I think uh, it's challenging. And uh, and I think I like challenges, basically. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, if... If you're going to invest the time anyway, you might as well go for the highest risk, highest reward thing you can do, which is probably entrepreneurship, right? Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's a, there's a very fine line between um, <laughs> between between stupidity and uh, bravery, basically. So, right. uh, so I sometimes I feel it's a very uh, it's a very noble journey. Uh, like um, I'm sure you would have read this, uh, like. Like very cliche uh, article, uh, cliche uh, basically book. Uh, uh, I think uh, Paul from Paulo Coelho. Uh, I don't remember. Oh, uh, basically, the alchemist. Like, the alchemist. Yeah. So yeah. basically, uh, so he they like he always talks about uh, like uh, the journey basically. Uh, mm-hmm. So I feel like this is that for me. I guess um, mm-hmm. I'm obviously not sure about the outcome. Uh, like 
so so i feel like that see basically it's not just that the the startup is growing you're also growing with it right uh, and basically what happens is like what i've been observing is that if you don't fix something right like if there is some uh, issue with you uh, like for example you have to work on some of your habits that you're not proud of basically entrepreneurship and and challenges like this provide a very ideal environment uh, for you to fix them basically because they get exposed very quickly mm-hmm. very quickly and i and i was uh, uh, yeah it's 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 uh, it's a what do you call it uh, uh adulting hard entrepreneurship <laughs> is adulting harder basically right. that makes sense and i think that's um i think that's probably one of the biggest differences between the corporate life versus the startup life where in the corporate life if you make a mistake of course it can reflect back on you and be negative but at the same yeah, time right. it's 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 usually not life or death while when you're at a startup one mistake can really make a huge impact and it's not about oh i made this mistake will my manager look down upon me or will i get my next raise it's oh i made this mistake and i don't know if i'm going to have work tomorrow because you know the the company might yeah, yeah. around yeah you know, i like i'm basically like i i think there was some, this uh, some um, funny tweet where uh, basically like life of a founder uh, wake up at like 9 am meeting for 2 hours then cry for 4 hours then meeting for 1 hour then cry for 5 hours right. <laughs> and i relate to it i genuinely relate to it i feel like this so like there's so many moments in the day where i'm like cursing myself to the core like why am i that stupid <laughs> why did i make that mistake right. yeah so yeah it's 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 it's, it's fun yeah it's brutal <laughs> but it's fun i guess right well yeah. it's it's good it's nice to hear the the other side because i think especially in like you know where i'm subscribed to on twitter and linkedin and stuff you always hear all the rosy stuff about doing startups like oh you know i get so much value out of leading a team all of this all of that but very few people talk about like the pressure and the and the and the amount of stuff you have to deal with as an entrepreneur and it's really not that rosy a lot of the times right so it's it's, yeah. it's interesting to hear that perspective yeah and and and, and i think uh, look at like what's happening right now it's basically uh, the season of market correction like all the people who basically were the rock stars for the last 2 3 years like sbf like people you would see oh man this guy built a billion dollar business in like 4 years and like the adanis yeah. basically That's like people who built massive wealth in like last 8 10 years and you know wondering am i that idiot yeah <laughs> <laughs> so basically i feel like right now i think this is how it's supposed to happen uh look at the really good companies though like uh, for example uh, like the ones that were doing re- were doing decently well right now like the stripes yeah. they have been in the business for like 14 years right like people forget that right uh, and i have uh, some really sad stats to share but uh, but if you look at like the first 10 unicorns that india had from 2008 to 2014 Like 15, 16. Yeah. Of those ten unicorns, basically only two survive right now, like Flipkart and and one other. The other eight have lost their unicorn valuations, oh, wow. or basically are doing really bad on the stock market. So I think it it is hard work. Uh, unfortunately, the media has glorified it, uh, and uh, 
and i think even if you watch all those fancy podcasts like all in and all and you you look at the stats basically uh, um it, it's going to be really bad in the next uh, like one year or two year yeah um yeah um i think so one more stats uh, around the same um basically that um, i think in the last uh, decade like from 2011 to 2020 uh, i think there were just uh, 100 or so uh, unicorn ipos or something like that uh, currently there are thousand unicorns right now right yeah and interest rates are high last decade interest rates were lower still you had so few exits now what's going to happen this time yeah so yeah i mean we already see that right so so many first of all there's so many companies that uh that you know but the spack route and now they're getting demolished in the, in the market um and then there's yeah, some yeah. unicorns who who didn't go but their valuations on sky high a lot of them started hiring like crazy uh, and not even the unicorns even big tech companies but let's just talk about the unicorns in this case and now they're going through layoffs because they realize it's not sustainable the money is not going to keep coming in forever and their valuation has gone down by by billions um yeah. i think even recently i was reading something that i think stripe was was uh trying to raise at their 80 billion dollar like they and they were valued at 80 billion dollars but they they are raising at 60 billion now haircut of 36% some 30% uh, from the last one which is just still really uh, like good because the fact of the matter is that for overall they have only raised like 3 billion dollars so far right so uh, so i think i think it's not a very massive uh, like down round right. the massive down rounds are the ones in india like uh, i don't know if you know baiju uh, the biggest edtech player in the world mm-hmm. uh, he has been marked down by 70% mm-hmm. from 22 billion dollar to something around 6 or 8 billion dollar mm-hmm. it has raised i think about 5 billion dollars so basically there's a big chance like all, a lot of like employees would not get any value out of their stock options right. so uh, it's it's going to be uh, pretty bad to be fair if you ask me uh, yeah right but but i guess uh, some really good companies uh, would come out of it hopefully yeah. right well so let's talk about what you're building at candor and hopefully that can be one of the good company that comes out of it you know and you you're specifically focused in in this dune area edtech uh realm of things so to give our viewers some context candor is a platform that is catered towards helping international students get to the colleges that they want to get to and so i know one of the focuses has been on the ielts exams uh at candor and helping students pass that so they can get to the universities that they want to and before we you know we we get into you know before we get into some of my thoughts on the platform I, i'd love to know what was the motivation behind creating it what was that inspirational moment where you're like you know what i think this is something i need to start working on and so i have a very uh, interesting journey basically so uh, so uh, to give our users some background uh, um I was working as a product manager here in New York City uh working with a travel tech company called uh, Fair Portal it manages brands like Cheapo Air One Travel so uh I basically had engineering uh engineering resources from Ukraine India New York so uh, so like the way we are talking right now basically so so I was not able to understand the accents of my Ukrainian counterparts and vice versa so, uh, so i thought that uh, there's a, for the first time there's a machine sitting between two people mm-hmm. so it should do a lot of things right like uh, so i thought that there could be real time transcription 
real time translation basically like sensors so that you can clearly gauge my uh, basically like uh, like uh, pronunciation like how am i feeling right now mm. automatic notes and everything so that was the original idea so it was in late 2020 so uh, so i pitched this idea to my ukrainian counterpart alex so he became my co-founder so i have a ukrainian co-founder okay. uh, like candle uh, like uh, engineering team is based out of ukraine so so that's also like something in russian ukrainian war has like affected us right. like in indirect ways uh, so yeah anyways uh, carrying on uh, so we started building uh, this smart video conferencing platform then covid happened and then we realized we were late to the party uh, and it became very clear that the penetration that the existing players like zoom and team saw it was very clear it was that we we would not be able to compete there are lots of other reasons why we decided to pivot so then we pivoted to grammarly for verbal communication basically so we started so we built a tool where uh, you could record yourself and we give you feedback on your verbal communication skills like for example how correct your pronunciation is how correct how good your uh, how good your fluency is uh, your filler words uh, confidence levels uh, emotions grammatical mistakes so we launched that product there are the bunch of companies that is doing right now poise uh, and uh, uh and and uh, some others udly and stuff something like that so we launched it uh, and then i realized it that the moment you're done with that important presentation or important job interview for which you were preparing you stop using the product right so i realized that the lifetime value for for the users for grammarly for uh, verbal communication may not be high and there's one more difference right so in grammarly grammarly is not trying to improve your grammar at all right. is not trying to improve your vocabulary whereas grammarly for verbal communication has to improve your communication skills because you have to do well in that interview you have yeah. to do well in that like uh, presentation or pitch so you improve and it's not like a gymming product like a physical fitness product that you have to keep on using it once you become a good podcaster i'm not i don't think you're going to go back and revise notes or stuff like right. that so 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 we decided that even though it's a great product you might not be able to big a billion dollar business out of it yeah. um, then suddenly i realized that people who are taking these language exams are basically uh, like are using the platform very actively you might not be aware of that but uh, like language exams like ielts toefl is taken by 10 million people yeah for comparisons only 200000 people take gr so it's a 50x big market and then we realize that for the first time you have this new technology like this speech to text technology is there and then you also have uh, this technology of uh, like uh, grammarly like like uh, coherence and stuff like a lot of that is now possible uh, like you you already have seen open ai yeah. like the stuff that it has done so so now the tech is so great that we can probably evaluate your essay on things like task achievement and coherence right similarly uh, your verbal skills so we decided to build a practice tool for ielts ielts is the most popular language exam of the of the lot like taken by almost 5 million people and then we realized that if we help them through these language exams then we will we could also help them throughout the immigration journey as well right. or the study abroad journey mm-hmm. then that becomes like a huge market and there uh, and there is basically like what do you call it like blessing in disguise 
uh, I didn't get my H1B lottery. Right. Uh, so tried for a couple of times. So I also uh, applied for Canadian PR. Right. So 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 all the PR that happened, or like uh, like Canadian PR or UK PR or Australian PR, all all these uh, immigration plans also require IELTS exam. Right. That's also a market. Okay. So so I actually had to sit for IELTS exam. Right. Like in 2019 when I was trying to get PR. So then I realized, okay, there's a big market and the starting points is a language exam. So so that's a problem to solve. And and one more point over here. So when I was trying to get into a B school here in US, uh, I had to take GMAT four times, four or five times. Like my English was not that great. Like so I could relate to the user as well and the immigration, the pain of the first frustration so yes i so yes candor is starting with the ilts product but our overall goal is to build a proper immigration or a study abroad platform basically right. that's a much bigger problem solved because people are not trying to take ilts because they want to take those ilts exams their end goal is still studying abroad or immigration the moment you say these people that okay you don't have to take this exam to immigrate they will stop taking this exam right so I'm not in the business of that. I'm actually in the business of immigration or study abroad. Right. And, and that's yeah. a huge... So that's a... Yes, sir, again? Yeah, yeah. No, no. So, so basically, so so that's the journey. So it was uh, like, you uh, you could say that uh, for a while, we were basically, uh, unfortunately, uh, in the bucket of that startups, right? Uh, technology in the search of a problem. Mm-hmm. Basically, we were that. So that's why I'm saying like... Uh, <laughs> Uh, like have made a bunch of mistakes like that's a very rookie founder mistake uh to be fair like uh like all those things that i told you right like how grammarly uh like how grammarly is different for like for verbal communication is different so the pattern matching breaks down honestly right. in a lot of ways people don't realize it like okay if grammarly works for that the grammarly for verbal communication should also work and should be a billion dollar business it might be to be honest they're they're People can definitely find a lot of ways to build a business that way, also like by selling it to sales and all. But but I, I'm skeptical that it's gonna be a like a deca combo. Right. right, that makes sense, and yeah. it's, it's really interesting to hear how you pivoted to uh, throughout the process because that that's a huge thing in startups, right? Pivoting towards different ideas uh, and just trying to make it work based on um, based on what you think mm-hmm. what you think will happen. I think. Um, you know, there's, there's a couple of things I wanted to touch on there, but I, I, before I get into my, my, my main point that I think will carry on for a while, it's actually really interesting that your co-founders from Ukraine and your team is based out of Ukraine. So I know there's a little bit of a tangent. Yeah, I have a, I have a fully remote team. Uh, one of my co-founders from India, right. he's, uh, he did his, uh, undergrad in design though, uh, uh, from IIT Guwahati, basically my alma mater, uh, and, 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 and he, then he still learned computer science and got a job in uh, uh, in a software company, a really good tech company. Like though he had a design background, yeah, I have a very uh, interesting journey. That's why, like, uh, I feel like that uh, that uh, I learned a lot, like <laughs> politics, <laughs> national stuff, economics. How does that affect like startups, economic cycles? So yeah. I'm curious yeah. about that, like, and, and I'll get into like the product after, but like, you know, how, how is it working through a war, you know, like when, you, when your developers are in Ukraine and your co-founders in Ukraine, how is that whole process, you know? 
yeah, yeah it sometimes it gets frustrating as well to be honest like when for example in december uh, there were a lot of uh, like electricity cuts and uh, some of our projects uh, got delayed by at least one or two weeks uh, it does happen at the same time um, i also think that my uh, ukrainian team members um like i think i see it in a way that like those people are going through so yeah. much and they're still able to support candor support our mission so they're probably stronger people and 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 i'll draw one more analogy to it like look at what like this most have you met israelis mm-hmm. like the jews from there bro they are like on a different class like like all the training that they get because they're surrounded by like the enemies uh right they're probably i think they uh, i think israel is called the startup capital right. of the world like build how much technology that they have built so i feel like and i i followed israel like because uh, like uh, in my cornell tech batch uh, we had a lot of uh, like israeli people in the batch like cornell tech has some association with israel like somehow like you have i think 20% of our batch will be mm-hmm. or something like that was uh, yeah but uh, yeah so i we also went uh, we visited israel so i feel like when you face so much like you become mentally very stronger right. smarter so i i look at it from that perspective that i probably have the some of the strongest and the smartest people right. on my team eventually out of it so so that is the way i treat this right. no, actually no, for sure um, that makes a lot of sense and i think uh yeah it's 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 really inspiring to see how the team's enduring even when going through all of this right that's that's very impressive yeah 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 that's why it's been a ride honestly right. yeah I was like uh, I'm thanking my stars and yeah. <laughs> for sure for sure um but no like so I guess touching on the other point I wanted to talk about is I th- I think especially like you know in the last even the last 5 years I think we've seen a huge influx of international students uh wanting to move out mm. you know to go to university in the US Canada UK uh from countries like India China uh Bangladesh you know all all over the place so you know it's 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 and I and I know like when I when I go back to India you know one of the biggest because of the amount of people that are moving there's so many uh businesses and 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 so much uh so many advertisements catered towards getting students abroad so it's a huge market uh and you really get the full scope of it when you're there but you can even get a good scope of it in North America as well so I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on that because you know you're you're catering to this audience. Like first of all, what 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 do you think is the reason behind such a big massive influx of students wanting to come, especially in the last 5 years and being able to come? And and can you tell me a little bit more uh, about that? Mark? I guess the biggest reason is that uh, in India we unfortunately don't have access to really high quality education, uh mm-hmm. college education or post graduation education in us like the quality of education that i got uh, was way higher than mm-hmm. the quality of education i got in india actually and and like see if you're looking to pursue engineering you probably have only like 15% uh, like like so okay uh, only 15000 uh, like i folks were getting into iit okay then um, according to some recent study only 25% of engineers in india are employable right 
so that's the other reason like basically uh, since these people are not employable so they are looking for uh, like either uh, some uh, training programs right like uh, like all these uh, like uh, coding schools have opened up like but but coding but coding schools would only help like people who are interested in engineering what about yeah. people who are interested in sales what about people in operations what about civil engineers and all that so for all those like kind of roles i think you probably have a better career uh, outside india uh, and honestly like i personally think that uh, like if you were a like if you're a, if you're uh, like in the top 1 percentile or or like top 5 percentile like i think uh, you probably would have a better uh, lifestyle uh, like as an indian let's just mm-hmm. focus on india right now yeah. uh, like you probably have a great career in india like the flipkarts and the olas would pay you really high salaries but i guess for a average person the opportunities in india are still not great right. in us you probably end up earning like a salary of average salary of 70 80k and you still would have a very good lifestyle like right. basically even if you are not doing like a tech job let's say even if you are in like sales role or let's call it like a operations role like in us you still have a very good salary right because of the minimum wage and stuff like that so right. that's a very big reason why people want to move on and then then there's reasons like for example they want uh they don't want to be they don't want to get married and there's some like funny reasons also to move abroad and 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 for in some states like punjab uh like from what i have observed like uh, the local uh, industry is dead right so, so the youth don't so, have a job here i i think you're covering your mic again <laughs> oh yeah yeah my bad yeah so yeah. so for example like in some states like in punjab like like you say right like there's a running joke that uh, canada is like the uh, is basically like uh, is another punjab yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah like you know uh, if you are punjabi now you're trying to get a pr or trying to get visa there's a 25% higher probability that your visa will get rejected even right. if you are a topper because canada is trying to block people from coming uh, from punjab block students uh, coming from punjab but the reason why punjabis want to move abroad is because punjab like the local industry is almost dead right so jobs lack of good quality education and i think um, indian middle class is getting richer so parents are also okay now like sending their kids abroad right. when i was coming like my parents were like so worried and concerned now like when i be talk to students like who are trying to move abroad it seems that the parents are pushing them right beta why don't you look abroad because what also happens is also happened is uh, people don't realize it like these are some of my thesis now uh, you're watching netflix all the time you're yeah. watching youtube all the time you watch all those shows like friends and all you want to live that lifestyle right. right like you 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 basically uh, you want to be a global citizen like travel buddy and all that like all those like bollywood movies and, and i think so that's why like and then you have your relatives right now those relatives are posting photos yeah. uh, on insta right sharing stories so that is also pushing people okay i want to explore that i want to explore that 
So I think there are a bunch of reasons which is pushing people uh, to study abroad, if you ask. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. It makes sense. And yeah, no, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, that, I mean, I mean, like I said, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the business expands because I think <laughs> I don't think it's slowing down anytime soon. Um, yeah. Outside of the government deciding it should slow down, but I mean, like the Canadian government and the U.S. government and all these institutions. Government will stop immigration, maybe, but they they're not going to stop higher education because that's a that's one way they're getting good talent yeah. and good money. India. And really good money because their tuition is three yeah. or four times compared to uh, local tuition. So uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think you know, let's, uh, you know, ten, uh, transitioning into the product a little bit. And I know you touched on this uh, a little bit earlier, but, you know, a lot of the, I, I think what was really interesting is a lot of the focus right now on AI has been, especially lately, has been on generative AI. And so focusing on, you know, you know, the photos, like the, the AI generated photos, now we're getting to videos, we're getting to music. I know Google just released something along those lines. And I think, you know, those, those are really great advancements and they have a lot of potential. But I think for me, what really excites me with the advancements in AI, and they're sort of gone under the radar with stuff like Whisper and, and some of the other frameworks that have come out, yeah. is, is, is the, how the advancements allow for products like the one you're building. Uh, like, you know, having yeah. uh, t- uh, speech to text transcription, uh, being able to translate better, being able to create new products that are part of these advancements at all as well that haven't necessarily been in, in the public media as much. So I was just wondering, like, when you think about some of these advancements in AI from a product context and, and specifically oh, specifically for Candor, uh, like, what, what, is, what is your thought process behind that? And, and, and how do you incorporate those technologies into your product? So I think uh, the way I see it is that uh, most of the ML, uh, basically like the basic models are going to get commoditized. Mm-hmm. Um, Azure eventually is going to get like basically start offering uh, all the open AI services, right? As API that is already been doing. Similarly, I'm sure Amazon would find something and yeah. Google would find something. So what's going to happen is that I think a lot of like SaaS startups were basically uh, trying to build uh, like applications for like software companies. Uh, they're going to face a lot of competition from these big uh, companies. But and at the same time, it's going to become very easy for other players to copy. you. Right. Uh, and basically... So, for example, like we build a lot of stuff for speech to text from scratch and stuff like that. Now, there's a big possibility that uh, upcoming new upstart, basic new startup uh, would start building something directly on top of OpenAI or ChatGPT, and then and then all the learnings that uh, like uh, that we had uh, probably may look maybe dwarf. Like the product may not look as mature as this. So, I feel like from that perspective. Uh, what really matters is that uh, you incorporate that, but then you start become you start building like domain specific models on top of it. Right. See, so 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 I see from that perspective that yes, at the same time I also feel that uh, especially in a startup, right? Like uh, like the problem that is like it's not a problem. I think it's a uh, it's a tricky situation, frankly. Like because because the speed with which they're innovating, right? Like, uh, 
like i as for example i built a model let's say uh, on uh, like whisper as you talked about or let's say uh, chat gpt 3 right it's going to get outdated so soon <laughs> with chat gpt 4 yeah right and then i would have to rebuild all that architecture right rebuild all all those data pipelines right so and and then there could be another startup somewhere who's who basically like looks at chat gpt and thinks of a completely different solution right? right like because when i was thinking right like even though i would have a solution to that problem but at some level it gets governed by like what tools do i have at my uh um in my arsenal to solve that right like and the person is starting with a different toolkit altogether so <laughs> yeah. so i feel i i actually so so in my head um i think what we need to do as startups is that we have to be very flexible with the tech then and we have to design our tech in a way okay that open air this model is coming within small time like a very big model will come and at the same time the applications that we are building the product that we are building i think we have to become like we have to start building like more domain specific exercise like the main ai apis could be the same but everything around it Sorry. has to be very very like domain specific yeah yeah very domains domain specific product specific and then incorporate api ai in every part and then constantly quickly updated your architecture has to be in a way that you are able to ship to like better apis or better tech faster yeah so so that's how i i see that uh, yeah mm-hmm. that makes sense yeah no i think um i i i think that's that's so important like you what you mentioned there is technologies can be duplicated so if you focus on the technology itself and just make a nice wrapper for it somebody's going to copy you uh so you need to have domain specific tech that allows you to separate yourself from your competitors um and so i think that's that's going to be really important going into the future um as well as on top of that because everybody has somewhat of the underlying technology there available uh i think you have to focus because of this tech i think focusing on niche becomes very important right basically exactly that's the only way you want to survive otherwise um like i think A lot of VCs are interested in SaaS businesses right now. That's the hot business model right there. I feel like with all these integrations with this Azure coming up, it's going to be some of these businesses are probably going to face a lot of uh, headwinds right. uh, coming their way uh, in the next decade at least. That's what I feel. Yeah. Right. Sorry, please. No, no, that, 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 I mean that makes a lot of sense, right? Like when it becomes consolidated into something like Azure, AWS. why would you use independent service providers if all the rest of your cloud applications are through them so that makes a lot of sense and i think um yeah i think what's so important there is that niche that you mentioned so i think that's probably what's going to survive going forward you're right um, yeah. but yeah and you have to constantly think that what this new tech can do which you probably thought okay you were solving the old way so you need to unlearn very fast given this rapid uh, innovation that we are seeing right right that makes sense well okay so i mean you know now that you've cre- i created some mvp at candor and and you know you're trying to figure out where the product is i i i guess the next stop would be growing the growing the application acquiring users uh and moving the business towards being profitable and ultimately getting vcs to invest 
Uh, and so I know you're probably nearing that stage. I'm not sure if you're there yet or if you're, if you're, near, if you're uh, almost there. But, you know, when you think about growth and acquiring users, what are, what are some key considerations that you factor in there? So I think, um, I guess, for a while now, uh, like, uh, I think most of us, uh, I think that's a very uh, interesting question that you have asked. Uh, and I think in the context, in the current context, it matters even more, basically. Because, see, I think in last decade, uh, basically, like the fancy matrix were MAU, right, uh, and uh, DAU and all that. I guess now with, like, with higher interest rates and probably sanity in the market, right, I think the focus is probably going to shift from, like, the user acquisition to revenue acquisition, mm -hmm. I guess. So I think now, I guess the quality of the user matters as much as the quantity of the users, I guess. Right. So uh, I think in Candace case, basically, like uh, I guess we were we are at that stage where uh, um, I think for us there are two aspects to it. Like uh, I'm framing my answer while I'm answering to you. So one one thing is that you need to get better at the art of acquiring users like from the marketing channel because that is obviously a lever right. like for example like for us like like what sort of like content works right like what sort of channels work like instagram works or or whether uh, basically youtube shorts work or basically or there's a another interesting way to uh, get uh, like uh, like customer acquisition like giving the product for free so that's that's one tangent like figuring out so let's say if you have figured out the business model then you can scale it right. so you so you need to build that skill set marketing is also a, a basically a skill set or or could be your startups area of uh, like like quantitative uh, sorry uh, competitive advantage and so so that's one dimension that i look at and the second dimension i look at it is that like at our stage, like we should not be spending too much money in acquiring user. We should be growing through word of mouth. Right. Because at the end of the day, like your product has to sell yourself. Right. Right. So you should not you your your goal should not be that okay, I'm gonna win this game by marketing or by customer acquisition. A lot of companies have done that. Of seven edtech unicorns in India, six are unprofitable. Most of them may probably spend two dollars to earn a single dollar of revenue, like two dollars minimum. Right. Many of them earn five dollars to earn one dollar of revenue. So then you start thinking that way. And I don't want to build a, a, a company with bad product because then you gonna fail eventually. So for me, customer acquisition is like, I need to get better at it. So when I have a great product, like the product has matured and when like my ROI on the ROAC is very high, like return on my advertising spend, right? Like then it should be very high. Like I should be able to spend thousands of dollars and then it should give me a good ROI because it should not, it should not happen that I'm just growing through word of mouth. And then one day I start doing customer acquisition and then I'll get like hundred X ROI. No. It is like a muscle, right. right? You have to get bet better at it.
So that's how I look at it, customer acquisition. It's not like a main thing for me, but I need to get bet better at it. So when the product is more mature, I, uh, I could like quickly grow it. Right. That makes sense. That yeah. makes a lot of sense. Uh, um, and I mean, I, I think especially... It's a slightly different approach. Yeah, yeah, no, and I think especially with products like this, um, I, at least based on what I've seen, a lot of it's been, of course, there's been some initial marketing, but a lot of it has been, a lot of the big growth has been from word of mouth. Uh, and I think when you look at the market in general, the most successful products are the ones where you have a community of people who are going to vouch for your product uh, because they got a lot of value yeah. out of it. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, uh, it's this common knowledge that uh, of the $100 that uh, are raised by startups from VC, $40 go directly into the hands of Google, Facebook, and all the marketeers. Right. So, so you have, and that's why you have that situation where one thousand startups are unicorns, and only two hundred are gonna to get to to the exit. Right. So you just gonna build a very fundamentally uh, weak business at the end of the right. day. Yeah. Right, that makes sense. And I think you know you touched on this a little bit, but I guess you know my my, my next question to you is like when you think about the future of edtech, and and specifically we can talk about Indian edtech. You know, what really excites you about it? And, and, and what are your thoughts? Like, do you think it's going to be a field that keeps growing exponentially that we've seen? Or do you think there's going to be some massive uh, new players come in? Or do you think the existing competitors are just going to take over the space? I think um, it's an interesting question you have asked. Um, so, so I have three options. Whether incumbents would survive. The second thing is whether new players would emerge. Or, or what was the third option? The the third one is just like I guess. Um, do you think the space will expand? Maybe so have you know the survive the, the current incumbents surviving, but new players also pop up uh, that you know, and, and somehow they can coexist together because that's how big the space is now. I think uh, I think it's it's obviously uh, I guess uh, see India is obviously a very big country like and and we are a very hyper aspirational mm. people like let's not forget that like. Every like, and uh, so from from that perspective, I definitely think that they're gonna be some billion dollar businesses in it. We already have a bunch of right. them, right? So I do think that just some of the existing ones uh, probably would uh, go through a difficult phase for the next one year or two year, and then they would emerge stronger out of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them will definitely see uh, huge down rounds and all. Uh, some of them may not survive, to be honest. Like, I, I do think right. so. Like, I told you, right? Like, uh, of the 10 unicorns that were there uh, in the beginning, uh, only one or two survived, right? So, so that's definitely going to happen. At the same time, I do uh, think that uh, uh, right now, like, investors have become... Uh, over cautious so uh, funding is not going in into edtech i think that's going to push a lot of startups and founders like myself also to think of better distribution methods will push us to build better products will push us to think for better business models so i do think that uh, this is definitely going to uh, push uh, like gonna uh, basically uh, push uh, the new new startups to 
uh, think differently and uh, that's going to result into uh, uh, the newer startups doing right. well i i think if i have to put my money i think i'll probably put uh, my money on on newer startups uh, than the older ones and and obviously there is a bias but to be fair the older startups like all the existing unicorns they were really good at scaling right. hats off to them like byju's and academies like okay they might not be profitable i agree uh, but at the same time i think they did a great job at scaling and then probably uh, like at least be- they became the uh, the top players in their categories right. that amounts to something so 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 credit where credit is due to be fair right. yeah that makes a lot of sense and i think um, it's funny there's a, there's a joke i think uh, uh, is in silicon valley which is a tv show and and the guy is pretty much saying something along the lines of profitability no no just 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 scale users and we'll figure profitability later and i feel like that's you know as much as a joke in the show i feel like that's a lot of the mentality that a lot of um the unicorns have taken especially in the last two years with the amount of investor money that got thrown at them uh before this downturn so uh it'll be interesting to see who survives um you know even without know, profitability <laughs> Yeah, you're right, um, you're right, you're right. But yeah. perfect. No, it was great having you on the podcast. I really enjoyed listening uh you know hearing about you and Candor and getting to get your thoughts on all these different subjects. Before I let you go, I have two last questions. Uh the first one being is is there a book that you recommend us checking out or reading? A book. I think uh I'm going to name the obvious ones to be fair, but um uh, I think 0 to 1 by peter thiel uh, is obviously great like um and, and i think uh, i'm a fan of uh, um basically uh, um like smaller books <laughs> like i, I don't want to i i think i consume information more from yeah. podcasts and all uh, but if we are talking about written content uh, only i would uh, i would say paul graham's essays Are, are are really great i think uh, in their very very insightful to be fair uh navel ravikant like uh, all the stuff that he says and obviously uh, i think i mentioned a couple of times like on in podcast is awesome right. as well yeah right. yeah so yeah, bunch of them yeah but yeah those are the ones that i uh, religiously yeah follow, no actually. for sure i um i follow all of those uh So <laughs> I can I can vouch for them too. It's always good to hear those, and uh, and yeah, they have some of the best entrepreneurs in the business. So it's it's always great to learn from them and get those yeah. insights. But um, yeah, YC's blog is also great, by the way. YC's, YC's blog, YC's yeah, great. I know you mentioned um, you mentioned a problem searching for a solution. Oh, sorry, as a, a solution searching yeah. for a problem, and I know that's straight out of YC's. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's straight out of YC's startup school. I know that's one of the things they always talk about. So. Uh, it, Yeah, it was it was not that, but to be fair, once we figured out that the first thing was not working, we had to take it. Huh? Like we know that we're just thinking, okay, now how can we build a business on top of this <laughs> right. tech? Yeah, right. kind that of yeah. Sense. Um, yeah. but yeah, no. Other than that, my last question for you is, what is the next steps for you and Candor? What can we look forward to now? I think uh, so. Uh, I guess uh, we found a business model. Uh, I guess that works. right now and uh, and uh, i think for us the focus is basically on execution now uh, in this year uh, um, make sure that we survive 
focus on building the right product building the right distribution um uh, building the right relationships with our users with our partners um uh, making sure that all of the all of us are successful i guess uh focus is the main thing um and constant execution right. i right. guess makes sense well yeah. thank you so much for coming on to the podcast navdeep i really enjoyed it thank you uh, i i hope you're being uh uh it was uh, like um, it would be useful for uh, people who listen to your podcast uh, and i hope we we become famous <laughs> after that <laughs> yeah i don't think we're going to want it but let's hope well, for the well, best that's, the, that's the hope but uh thank you everyone for tuning in and till the next one take care